We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Talking. Uh, if it was up to me, we'd sit there talking for another three hours because I love to, to chat and get to know people. And uh, It's a good day to be in church today, hey? Do you agree with me? Yes? A few people agree? All right, hopefully by the end of this message, it's a, it's a better day in church for, for a lot more people. Uh, my name is Cody. Uh, I do have a lovely wife and, and three kids um, who are somewhere in the building right now. Um, our, our son, Joe, our, our newborn, um, I shouldn't say that anymore, he's seven months old, just over seven months old, and uh, he still doesn't move much, he still doesn't do anything at all, and for that I'm very blessed and very fortunate um, you'll understand if you're a parent. Uh, we've been speaking on encounters with God, uh, and, and we've had uh, quite a few messages that have been shared over the last few months uh, from uh, Pastor Ben and, and Pastor Darren, and uh, even from Dean last week, uh, our, our kids' pastor. And uh, it's been a great month. And uh, before I start, I just want to just say a big thank you. I know he's not here today, uh, but I just want to say a big thank you for Pastor Darren for allowing me to take the stage, allowing me to speak. Um, it's a great honour. And also to, to Ben as well. Can we just give them a, a, a round of applause, a bit of appreciation? They do a hard job. They have to look after people like you and me and lead us in spiritual things, which can be uh, quite hectic and quite crazy at some times. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Darren spoke about uh, an encountering with God and, uh, and how sometimes the encounter we have with God isn't actually just for us, but it's actually for those people uh, that we encounter out there in the world. And then last week, uh, I almost thought Dean was going to sort of steal some of my thunder when he talked about the Good Samaritan, because I'm talking about another Samaritan uh, today. Uh, and he talked about how God works in situations and in ways that we often can't comprehend or we can't understand. And sometimes we believe we're walking in to, to, to give God to people or bring God to people but he's actually moving and working in those moments and, and what an amazing message it was if, if you've missed any of these messages I believe they're online and you can you can find them and listen to them on podcast um, but today we're going to get into it and uh, I'm reading from John chapter 4 and we're looking at the woman at the well uh, and for those of you I, I struggled to find a title for this message um, but if you're anything like my wife you leave like this spot up the top where you're waiting for them to say what this line is that you can type in as the message. The message today, I've called it the unexpected encounter or lessons from an unexpected encounter for those of you that, that want to write that in. Uh, but before we start, let me pray. God, I thank you that today you would speak. Today it would be your words, Lord, that this, this message is simple, Lord, but we know that the simple things is what you brought to us, God, that you brought to us to, to reveal other things in our life, Lord. So I pray that uh, as I speak, your spirit comes in and fills in the gaps. Your spirit comes in and convicts and loves in only the way your spirit can. In Jesus' name, amen. The unexpected encounter. John chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. And then in brackets, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So Jesus is being harassed by the Pharisees once again. So he's making plans to escape. If you were making plans to escape, say for instance, if you were making plans to escape this building, what would you be doing right now? I would be looking for people that are going to help me escape and I'd be going towards them. And I'll be looking for people that are going to hinder my escape and be moving away from them. Um, you can decide who you are. Um, but he's looking for an escape. Jesus is trying to escape the Pharisees because they're always just making issues for Jesus. And so it says in verse 3 that he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And he had to go through Samaria on the way. 
See, when it says that word had, some, some translations of the Bible said needed. And, uh, and we get the kind of assumption that uh, there's no other way. You've got to go through there to get to that place. There's no other way you can go. But in fact, in, in, in Jesus' time, most Jews would actually go the long way around. They would, they would leave the area. They, would, they wouldn't even go through Samaria. They would want to walk around the other side. So when it says that he had to go through, it almost implies that he's in a rush and he's wanting to get away somewhere, but we'll find out that that's not exactly the case. Um, it was the shortest way, but the Jews avoided it because they distrusted and they disliked the Samaritan people. As we heard last week with, with Dean's message, uh, the man at the, end of the, at the end of the parable couldn't even say the name of the Samaritan. He said the person who looked after, because they, they, they distrusted, they hated these Samaritan people, and especially the religious leaders and the rabbis and the Pharisees. The Samaritans were a product of the poor class that had been left behind when the Babylonians had taken the Jews into exile. They didn't want to take certain people with them, so they left them behind because they wouldn't have fit into the, the social standing of the Babylonian Empire at the time. And so these people that were left behind, they intermarried, they, other people came to the region. So you can understand they were almost, they were part Jew, but in, in a way they were almost like a, a mongrel breed of Jew. And so they didn't like... To, uh, to, to intermix. The Jews did not like the, uh, the Samaritans and the Samaritans did not like the Jews. And, uh, and rather than meet up with one of these mongrel Samaritans, most Jews would walk the long way around. It's a bit like, uh, I don't know if this happens down here in town, but up in Ardrossan, uh, if I'm going from where we live in the north of town, somewhere down the south or even into town, there's two ways I can go. I can go through town, which is a little bit quicker, or I can go out of town onto the highway and come back in. And uh, if, if, I'm in a, if I'm not in a rush and I don't really mind where I'm going, I'll just go take either way, interchangeably. But if I'm in a rush, I usually go out, uh, out of town and back in because uh, who knows, there's some people in town that drive about 30 k's an hour and if you get trapped behind them, you, you, you don't make a good escape. You, uh, you, you take the longer way to avoid the, uh, the mongrel drivers in town. He didn't need to go through Samaria. He could have walked around, but the people in Samaria needed him. And so God is seeking out encounters with people. He isn't reluctant, but he desires to have connection with us at all times. He's seeking to meet with us, and it's often on our end that we, we miss out or we misinterpret or we don't realise that he's actually encountering with us at most times in many different ways. And so we, uh, we keep reading on. And we get down to verse 5. And it says, Eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar, or Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. If you're a Bible scholar in the place, uh, this was actually the, the ancient uh, town of Shechem, uh, where Abraham had received from God the promise of the promised land and many descendants. And it says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat warily beside the well about noontime. I... It doesn't really fit into my message, but I love that. Jesus was wearied. He was human. He was tired, he was thirsty, and he sat down by the well. What a picture that paints of, uh, if, if anywhere in our minds we're thinking that God doesn't understand our situation, God doesn't understand where we are and what we're doing, he understands. He got tired, he got thirsty, just like every human being. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, just to confirm it, she said, 
You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? There's a few things wrong in this situation culturally. These days, if you ask someone for a drink, they're probably going to give you a drink. There's probably going to be no issue there. But in these days, it was customary that the women would come to collect water in the morning, and they'd do it as a group. So this, this Samaritan woman is either here because she had this intense need of water all of a sudden, or more likely, she was a bit of a social outcast. Uh, maybe she didn't come with the women in the morning because they didn't include her, or maybe she felt judged or confined or, or, uh, or looked upon strangely. So she's there at lunchtime. And also, another thing wrong about this is traditionally, rabbis didn't speak to women in public. They didn't even speak to their own wives if they could help it. And here's a rabbi asking a Samaritan woman for a drink. A favour from a Samaritan woman of potentially questionable character was definitely culturally wrong. You know, the Pharisees that he was trying to escape, they would have picked up on this and there would have been a lot of hassle, but luckily the, Samar- uh, the Pharisees do not go through Samaria. He asked for a drink. God asked for a drink. He didn't need a drink. God could have got his own drink. He could have survived. He survived in the desert for 40 days. He didn't need a drink, but he, he asked for a drink. He included human participation. So in this encounter with God and encounters that God has with us, he often includes human participation and it can happen to anyone. God moves best when we are moving. I, 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 you've probably met these people before and I have too and uh, I'm sorry if you're one of them, but there's some people that, uh, you know, they quit their job and they're like, I'm just waiting for God to come in and tell me where I'm going in my life. I'm just waiting for God to come in and give me some direction. And, uh, and I sit there and I think, but the moment you're, you don't have money, you don't have nothing, you have no, just, just move and God will move with you. God works best when we're moving. God honours our work. He honours our participation. If you don't believe me, uh, he, he could have magically had everyone on the earth. He could, have, he could have shown them what the gospel is and they could have all been saved. But instead, he chooses you and me to go into people's life. He chooses to use our participation to spread the good news. He chooses our participation through the laying on of hands to heal the sick. He chooses us to go in and to prophesy, to speak encouragements, to, to share our testimony as, as Ben did of this last week so that we can participate in God's encounter with people. He encounters the unsaved as well. There are many people in the Bible he encounters those that, are, that have been Jews their whole life. He encounters those who, he says, have bigger faith than, like, you know, he talks to different people of, of all different backgrounds that have faith, that have amazing things going on, but he also encounters those that don't even know God yet. Uh, I, I, you may have seen a few weeks ago, there was a video that played of, of, a, of a, a guy up in Ardrossan named Ken um, who came to the Lord a few years back and uh, he was a part of a, a few uh, shady things when he was younger and uh, he always pulls me aside and says the same stories and I love it because I get alongside him and talk. But one thing he says, Cody, I thought I was lucky because I didn't die. I thought I was lucky because I didn't get hurt, but it was God that was with me all along. So those unsaved people in your family that you're praying for, that you're believing to come to know God, God is with them already. God is moving in their lives. They just haven't seen the encounter that's happening. God uses our participation and it can happen to anyone when he encounters. We read from verse 10. Jesus replied, If only you knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? 
who gave us this well, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And so from a church context, we get living water, that, that refers to the spirit, it refers to, to God's sustenance. But in the time, the word living water referred to any water that was moving. And uh, who knows that water that's down the bottom of a well isn't often moving. It's usually sitting there ready to be drained. So when he's talking about living water, she's thinking there must be a spring somewhere. There must be some extra water that he's going to find that's running, something fresh. And he goes, but then she goes, but Jacob couldn't find it. And we've been drinking this water for so long. Who's this man to think that he can find water that Jacob, our ancestors, couldn't? So she's questioning God without even knowing it's God. Jesus obviously isn't talking about physical water. He's talking about spiritual water. And so he replies, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, talking about the water in the well. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Those who drink only earthly water will get thirsty again. It makes sense. Uh, I had a bit of this water before I got up here, and my, my throat's already thirsty again. But those who drink of the spiritual water shall never thirst again. That's what he's saying in this, in this situation here. He's saying that when you encounter Jesus, you'll never thirst again. But then, there's always that person that says, But Cody, I encountered Jesus once. I, I got filled with the Spirit once, but now things are going really bad for me. I'm really thirsty again. I need God again. Why would Jesus say, there'll be a bubbling spring within them if we didn't need to continually drink. We encounter, when we, we encounter Jesus, we encounter Him one time can change everything in your world, but we're designed to encounter Him continually, on a continual basis. The fact that He's living in us and with us and in every situation in our life, like I said, often we miss out on the encounters God has for us because we're too busy looking at what's around us. We don't take time to, to slow down and to think about the things that happen. It could be someone who comes to you from in town who you know doesn't know God, but God's using them to bless you, and it's an encounter with God. It could be uh, when you're, you might be going to pay your bills and you might be annoyed because of how high they are and what, you know, all the money you've got to spend and you, and you get into the post office or wherever it is that you're paying your bills and you smile and you laugh and, and the lady behind the counter or man behind the counter has a good day because you've just allowed them to encounter God through you. They might not know it's God, but maybe they encounter the joy through you. One encounter will change your life, but continued encounters lead to an eternally blessed life. We can continually encounter God anywhere and everywhere. Verse 15, Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come to get water. She's still not understanding, right? But she, she kind of sees the situation. She's like, well, if I never have to come to this well again, then I don't have to walk down here. I don't have to come out at lunchtime. I don't have to avoid the women. If Jesus, if you can actually give me this water, give me this water. She's looking to make her life easier. She's looking to make her life more comfortable. She's seeing an opportunity and she wants to go for it. And I feel like in my own life, and, and maybe you can agree with me, sometimes when, when I need an encounter with God, I'm, I'm trying to get an encounter so that my life will be easier. But who knows, that's not always the case. Often for my life to be better and for my life to be more online with where God wants to go, it's not going to be easier. It's actually going to be a little bit more complicated. But when God's Spirit comes in and, and He comes in and, and reveal those things in, his life, in my life, I can move forward in a way I never have before. Because God doesn't want to encounter us to make our lives easier or necessarily easier. 
Yes, He does want to bless us. Yes, He does want to help us to live and fulfill the best life we possibly can. But a lot of the time, uh, He encounters us uh, so that He can strengthen us for what we're going through, so that He can strengthen our character, so that He can strengthen uh, um, the attributes in us that need for, are needed for the next season. I'll give you an example, right? If I, if I come to you and I, and, I, and I realize something you're doing isn't quite right, and I, in the most loving, most kind way I possibly can, say, oh, sorry, sorry, that isn't, it isn't quite right what you're doing and what you're saying. I could be like buttering you up. I could be making it. Who knows? You probably get offended anyway. But what about when the Spirit comes to convict? The Spirit could say the same thing in a more brutal way, but for some reason He is light about it. He's the Spirit of God. He convicts, He confronts, and we go, yeah, I'll change that about myself immediately. God's Spirit is there to encounter us in every situation, not to make life easier, but to strengthen us, to bring us through our situations. He doesn't want us to live in those situations, but again, He wants our hand to be what gets and guides us out of that by His strength. Verse 16, He says, go and get your husband. That's what Jesus told her. And we might think that's a, that's a bit strange to tell someone to go and get their husband, but culturally it made sense. Uh, they're already so deep into this conversation that uh, but this is the point where most people would invite their husband into the conversation just to make it more of a legitimate conversation. Um, you've got to understand that it was, it was already weird that Jesus was talking to this woman. And if people start to, to see something that's weird, people start to talk. And so, uh, it, and it's almost a test for this woman, because if you know this story, you know what her answer is about to be. Uh, it's a test to see what her heart is. And she says, I don't have a husband, the woman replied which seems like a, an easy answer, but then Jesus makes a really big deal about it. He goes, you're right! Exclamation mark. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. I don't know if someone has ever told you the truth and you just go, oh, you're right! Oh, you spoke the truth. Jesus is literally pointing out to her, like, you've done well, you've passed this test, you're telling the truth. He said, uh, and so the woman, she's obviously excited, she goes, oh, you must be a prophet, because you've told me things about my life that no one else could. She answers truthfully, and so God appeals to her consciousness. She obviously has some sort of consciousness, right? She's been married five times, which means she's not a, a young lady, unless she's had some real quick turnovers of relationships. She's a bit more mature, um, she's come to this well, she's, she's, she's kind of grabbing, understanding this idea of living water, and, uh, and so she has some sort of conscience behind her, and then she is willing enough to admit, okay, I don't have a husband. Uh, I'm actually on my own at the age I'm at, which was a stigma in that, in that cultural setting at that time. And so God appeals to her conscience and encounters her through her consciousness. She, she realizes that it's not just an ordinary man, that it's a prophet, that she is encountering God in some way. She hasn't got it completely, but she's encountering God in one way, shape, or form through a prophet. And how did this happen? It's because God encounters us differently. He encounters us through what it is that makes us unique. For some people, He encounters God through understanding. It'll be in the brilliant things in life that most of us don't understand. For, for many, He encounters us through our affections and our emotions. Maybe it's in our times of worship. Uh, maybe it's uh, we, we've just get this overwhelming sense of joy and God comes in and He fills and He does amazing things through... He takes us maybe sometimes on an emotional roller coaster. For others, it's through a way of fear. There are examples in the Bible where 
where Jesus literally walked up to people and, uh, and, that, and, and, and sort of said to them, this is who I am, and they, out of fear, they respected out of fear, people reverence God. God can speak through fear, but most of the time, He speaks through the way, of, sorry, the way of hope. But for this woman, He spoke through her consciousness. God encounters everyone differently, and God encounters you differently to the person who's sitting next to you. He encounters you differently to He encounters your children or your parents. He encounters you differently than He does to your loved one, to your spouse. In fact, uh, I remember when uh, Michaela and I, we, we were still engaged, we were courting and, uh, and we were at the, at the local shopping centre uh, on the Sunshine Coast where we, we'd been and, uh, and she was telling me about her previous encounter with God and she let me read this thing from her journal because obviously before we were married we did our own uh, separate things and, uh, and she let me read this where she wrote to God and this, she wrote, you could tell what was her writing and then she wrote the response from God and I was like, my wife's good at writing, but there's no way she can come up with those thoughts. And God, like, amazing things on this paper. And instantly I thought, well, why can't I encounter God like that? I've never done that. I'll write something to God and he says, yeah, I love you, son. That's it. <laughs> and so I got a little bit bitter over weeks. I was like, what? how come <sighs> she's encountering God in this amazing form? And then I started to realize that the way God worked with me was uh, was through speaking through metaphors and and uh, and and things in life I'd be walking down the side of a canal and uh, that's a body of water for you guys because you don't have any rivers or anything down here it's um, walking down the canal and there'll be like a fence there and for some reason a thing pops in my mind and God's speaking to me through this like allegory through this metaphor and Michaela's sitting there going I wish I could encounter God like that God encounters each and every one of us differently so verse 20, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? So either she's generally confused and wants this question answered, but more likely she's uh, attempting to avoid Jesus' last remark about her having husbands and not having one currently. And we need to remember they, they did have a mixed understanding of the Bible. She, she may literally have just been asking, I don't understand why this is, this is the case. And Jesus replies with this profound thing. And before I read it, remember, he's talking to a Samaritan who's a woman who's of questionable character. And he says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, well, we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But, that aside, the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And to this the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Two incredible things. The first incredible thing is the whole basis for who we are in Christ, our ability to worship whenever, however, to be able to walk with God through our whole life, to have the Spirit in us. He reveals this for the first time to a Samaritan woman of questionable character. God encounters everyone. And God encounter, when God encounters you, He reveals incredible things that are, that are specific to your soul, but sometimes they're specific to other people and they need to be shared. 
The second thing is that he finally revealed himself truly to her. She's down this process of encountering and all of a sudden she realizes this isn't just a rabbi, this isn't just a prophet, this is the Son of God, this is the Messiah. I am encountering Jesus. And see, there's this, this, this way about sometimes there's this encounter that's happening that we don't really understand until a point where Jesus reveals himself fully. An encounter is not limited to a place or a specific time. It's not limited to here on a Sunday in a church building. It's not limited to listening to worship music. It's not limited to uh, being beside your bed and praying if that's how you pray, or if you're like me, you pray when you drive. Or you, uh, it's not limited to, to when, uh, when you're somewhere with friends doing a Bible study. It's not limited. God will encounter you everywhere. God will encounter you in a moment when your kids are so frustrating that you kind of just... At least my wife's with me. She's smiling. You know, they're just so frustrating, and then all of a sudden, joy, peace. God encounters in all situations if we're aware and willing. We move on and we'll keep going for time's sake. Just then, his disciples came back. Good time for them to come back, right? They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? See, all, John's writing that they were all marveling, they were all shocked, but, uh, but no one said anything. So obviously, John himself is thinking this. Um, he's writing it there and explaining to everyone else, getting everyone else into the same predicament he's in, making himself feel better. But no one said anything. And so we know John's thinking this himself. Why is Jesus speaking to a woman? And you know, sometimes when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter God, when we have an encounter with His Spirit, it can be misunderstood. Uh, it can be misinterpreted. I remember for a very, long, young, a very long time when I was young in my faith and I was in my church and even as I started to, to move up into different areas and do uh, things in the realm of leadership and in the church, um, my, I had a, this big misunderstanding about like if someone caused a big sort of massive fuss or something, someone might be there worshipping God and yelling out in the middle of a message or in the middle of praise and I was like, well, you've got to calm down for everyone else around you. I was misunderstanding what could have been a, a massive encounter with God. When, we, when people encounter God, we can misunderstand. You know, you can walk into a worship service, and I've done this with my wife before. We've walked in, we've had worship, and I come out and I go, yeah, that worship was a bit average. And she goes, wow, I encountered God like never before. God encounters everyone at different times and different places, and it can be misunderstood. But you know what? On the other side of things, it says that the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. In other words, she's coming back, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So, the people came streaming from the village to see him. Encounters with God can be easily misunderstood, but also encounters with God can also uh, draw others towards God. Someone sees you encountering God, and they want to do it themselves. It's nothing like my kids will see uh, Michaela or I lifting our hands in worship, and so they do the same thing. And whether they know what they're doing or not, they, they may be encountering God because of the encounter that I've had. So yes, it could be misunderstood, but don't hold back because God can draw others unto him through it. We'll skip verses 31 to 38. It's when Jesus takes the time to, to teach his disciples about how important it is that they're ready for all these different uh, spiritual opportunities that come upon them. I'm thinking he's probably teaching them in this moment about uh, what's just happened and saying, look, you've got to be ready all the time. We get to verse 39 and it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. 
Read it again. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because Jesus, no, because the woman had said. People believed in Jesus not because they encountered Jesus. They first believed in Jesus because of what she said. Our testimony is so powerful. When we encounter God, when we share of our encounter, people can, can believe in Jesus because of what we say. Not just from meeting Jesus themselves. Yes, they eventually do. But they, met, they, they believe firstly in God without even meeting him. It was through the woman's encounter. It says uh, in verse 40, and if, uh, if the band can come back up, that'd be great. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Remember when I said he either was trying to get through Samaria in a rush or he had to go there on purpose? If he was getting through with a rush, why would he stay for two days? He had a purpose. Many more heard his message and believed. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. They wanted Jesus to stay. An encounter with an unlikely woman, an unexpected encounter at a well, an unexpected encounter with a farmer, an unexpected encounter with someone who works in a cafe, an unexpected encounter with a, with a woman who's looking after her children. And the town came to know who God was. An unexpected encounter. The encounters we have today, not only uh, can they lead to our change in our lives, not only do they, they lead to change in our families, the encounters we have right now the, the, the things we put in place to make sure that we're willing and able to hear the Spirit, they lead to, to others questioning who God is. They lead to others uh, acknowledging that God exists and then they lead to others being able to encounter God for themselves. The best thing about this was there was no Pharisees around to stop him working. I wonder, it's a pretty simple message. I've read a set of scripture and I've just pulled out a few things that I saw and every time I read through it I see more and more things in there but I wonder if anything spoke to you today and we're just in, in the last uh, maybe five ten minutes we're going to see uh, I know God can speak to you anywhere and any anyhow but the, the best place for him to speak to you is when you're ready and you're willing and I'd pray right now that there's people in here that are ready and they're willing to encounter God and so would we stand to our feet Get in a posture that's comfortable, if you can. I believe God wants to speak into your life. It might not be what you want to hear, but it might be what you need to hear. And so, so whatever it is, whatever way you need to, to get comfortable, whether it's raising your hands, closing your eyes. Personally, when I encounter God, I start to do what I'm doing right now and walk around a lot. Whatever it is, let's encounter who Jesus is right now. Let's encounter that spirit. Whatever it is in your life right now that you need answered, that you need strength for, that you need new vision, maybe everything's going really well and you just need to know that you're going well. The spirit can encounter you and speak. Listen. The Bible says that those with eyes, let them see. Those with ears, let them hear. Would we be able to see? Would we be able to hear? Let us not go another day without being able to recognize that we are encountering with you, God.
Give us guidance. Give us strength. Give us peace and wisdom. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to worship for a time. If you, uh, if you would personally, you personally want prayer for something, I would love for you to, to come down to this room, this area down here, and uh, myself or, or my wife can pray for you. Um, I just feel right now that God's presence and His Spirit is here, and I'd love to pray with you if that's the case. But let's just worship now, and let's just encounter God. Ask for an encounter with God. Thank you, Lord.